Well, hello there and welcome back to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. I am super excited to have you here today and I just wanted to take a moment and thank you. I want to thank you for coming to these conversations every week or if this is your first time, welcome and thank you. This has been an amazing experience for me and I've been having incredible conversations with some incredible women. And what I've been hearing from you is that these conversations are having an impact on your life and the life of your families as well. So I'm just super grateful that you are that you keep coming back and and for your feedback as well. And if you would like to tag me on social media somewhere, um, and Facebook, uh, Instagram, and tag me hashtag Vision Driven Mom Podcast, and just let me know how the the uh, these uh, conversations have been impacting you and your life and your family. So today. We're talking to Irene McKenna. Irene and I hadn't met before this interview, and oh my gosh, it was just, you know, we're kindred spirits. We just, we hit off immediately. And we're talking about how to thrive as a mom. And yes, it's possible. Okay. We go deep into the importance of teaching our families about what we need and why that is a form of self care. It looks different for all of us. And it's made up the, of the little things that we do to fill ourselves up. We talked about creating boundaries from a place of love and firmness, and that it allows you to show up without reactivity. We also talk about the idea of patience fatigue. I love this. And what you can do to fill your patient's cup each and every day. Now, Irene is a conscious parenting coach for moms who are ready to experience empowered motherhood. Empowered motherhood is about relearning to love ourselves first and a journey of self-awareness. She's the owner of Irene McKenna Coaching and the host of the Thrive in Motherhood podcast that you definitely want to check out. Irene guides moms to a deep understanding of themselves and a foundation of self-love to step out of the reactivity and never feeling enough that hijacks them and steals their joy. Irene is passionate in the belief that moms get to thrive in motherhood. And when moms thrive, this ripples out into their families and out to the world. So you are going to love this episode and I cannot wait to share it with you. And if you've ever wondered, is it possible to thrive as a mom? Well, listen to the episode, and I think Irene is going to convince you that yes, indeed it is. This is the Vision Driven Mom podcast, and I'm your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman, for moms, by moms who believe that anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories from moms that have journeyed through motherhood, from fear, loss, and heartbreak, to healing, empowerment, and success. Motherhood is truly the journey of a lifetime, so let's enjoy the ride together. Welcome back to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. I am your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman, and today we have Irene McKenna. Now, Irene is a conscious parenting coach for moms ready to experience. Empowered motherhood is about relearning to love ourselves first and a journey of self-awareness. She's the owner of Irene McKenna Coaching and host of the Thrive in Motherhood podcast. Irene guides moms to a deep understanding of themselves 
and a foundation of self-love to step out of the reactivity and never feeling enough that hijacks them and steals their joy. Irene is passionate in the belief that moms get to thrive in motherhood. And when moms thrive, this ripples out into their families and to the world. Irene, welcome to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yes, me too. I, Irene and I were just talking about we're in kind of different parts of the country, but we're both looking at snow right now. It's very super exciting for us. I'm in North Carolina, so my kids are ecstatic. They took the chickens out this morning to see how the chickens would do in the snow. The, the chickens just didn't really care. <laughs> chickens. <laughs> and Irene, where are you? So I'm in upstate New York. So I'm looking, I think over the past few days, we've gotten like six to eight inches of oh. snow. It's hovering around with the wind chill about one degree today, which yes. is the coldest we've been all season. But you know, my dog loves the cold and the snow. She's a puppy. She's about seven months old oh, and fun. we live right on the river. So I just have trails to walk on like right outside my door and we just get to head out. It's my midday self-care is to right. head out and just take a nice walk. We've been working with her being off leash on the walk. So she's having a blast. Oh, good. And I just get to be out in the fresh air. So it's amazing. Nice. Well, Irene, tell us a little bit about yourself and how, tell us about Thrive and Motherhood and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah. So I'll start back at the beginning, but keep it short along the way. It was really my losing myself when I became a mom. So I became a mom at 35. So I had a lot of years under my belt of being this individual. And then all of a sudden I'm in this new role. And then I had two boys within 15 months. It was chaotic. My mantra at the time was it's like, I can't do this. And what we say over and over enough is what we believe and it's what is our reality. And so that was my constant feeling. So I wasn't happy. So nobody was happy. I was bickering with my husband all the time. I wasn't taking care of myself. And I was just in this constant state of overwhelm, unhappiness, just feeling this weight. And I can remember one particular day where I'm in my bedroom and I think I'd locked the door and I'm just like sobbing on my bed. And I hear my boys two and three at the time, maybe one and a half and two and a half, something like that, knocking at the door, they're crying. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And it was like at that moment that I'm like, okay, I don't know how to change this, but something has to change. And so I slowly started taking care of myself. And of course, when you do that, you start to have, and I'm like, okay, I'm noticing I'm having some more patience and I'm doing these things. And that led me to find health coaching and I became a certified health coach. And yet what still was struggling, I was still struggling in my relationships. I was still reactive in parenting. I was still reactive with my husband. So no matter what I did, it's what is this missing piece? I still am not finding that happiness. And then I was in a conversation with somebody and she said, oh, I'm a parenting coach. And I was like, what? Shut the front door. What are we talking? What is this? I just knew in that moment that was not only my path for me, but where I was meant to go with my coaching. And so I enrolled in a program and that's where I first became aware that there was a different way to parent. Like I had grown up in very much traditional parenting. Parents did absolutely the best they could, but it was very the controlled, traditional, get good grades, be a good girl situation which led me to struggling to hold boundaries, struggling to have a voice and ask for what I need, struggling to love myself. And so I found this other realm of parenting and started to step into that. And I still remember at that point, though, saying to my coach, okay, I've created this SH show. I don't know how we can talk on this podcast, but this show, how do I fix this? Like, I was still in a mode of fixing. And over the past couple of years, what it led me to really realize and what I work on myself and what I work with my clients is you've read the book, you understand conscious parenting, but it's just not clicking. You can't figure out how to put what you know into what you do. And it's really understanding those core beliefs that we hold, the healing that needs to happen. 
what I do is I operate under these four pillars of what I say are like empowered motherhood that creates this foundation of joy where we can return to this foundation of joy, even in the tough moments. And so really it's been my journey to figuring out where I am and healing myself that has led me to this place of truly believing that it's possible for all of us. And it's our birthright as moms to thrive. Gosh, that is fantastic. That's a great story, Irene. And I know that this resonates with so many moms that being outside the door, I can't even tell you how many times when, and same with me, I had my kids later. So I had my first at 41 and then my second came 17 months later, kind of similar, very similar, similar to you. So yeah, we had in my husband and I had been together for 12 years at that point. So we had, we'd fun, we'd been doing all these things. And then the kids came, which was a beautiful thing and timely feel very fortunate that I was able to have them. I felt a whole lot of guilt because I felt like I should be incredibly grateful and I am not. I'm not feeling grateful. I'm feeling overwhelmed and isolated and all of the things that you mentioned. And I can't tell you how many times my husband would, especially when my kids were maybe two and three, between one and three, where my husband would come home from work. Me and my two kids were all be sitting at the kitchen table crying, all of, including me. (laughs) Just be like, oh my gosh. And just that, that lacking joy, like you talked about. I love the story that, so you started with, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling unhappy and this is not right. And this is not what I want to teach my kids. For one thing, this is not the family life that I want to have. But then you started taking steps and the first step that you took was not necessarily where you are now. And I love that because sometimes it takes just taking that first step that led you, I call it following your yellow brick road. And then it led you to the parenting coaching and to your podcast and, and all of that. And I love that story. Yeah. And- I think we all step in where we kind of are feeling our greatest pain point at that moment, right? Like right. we may step in where it's okay. My health feels like my greatest pain point where I I have clients where they come and like parenting feels like their greatest pain point or their relationship with their partner feels like their greatest pain point. And so we work on that, but we're also are addressing this self-care and taking care of ourselves because we truly don't create that foundation without that piece. That's absolutely. I am the same way. I wasn't taking care of myself back then in those early days. I was doing the societal, your family comes first mom comes last. That's what I was doing. And I think that's the way that a lot of us come into motherhood. And I think there's this thing called momnesia where we have our kids and we completely forget who we are or who we were, or that we had a life before we had kids. It's really a or that bizarre. we can like, or that we can have a life or, like, that, or we, that we exactly can still one of the ways I could use this example right now. So one of the things I used to enjoy very much was cooking. And then mm-hmm. my kids, like they don't want it eat anything I cook. So I went to just very simple. I stopped trying and I realized that was like my creative outlet. Some right. people, maybe they paint or they do crafts. Mine is like really cooking. Mm. And and so what I've done in recent months is I started kind of trying new recipes and cooking. Every night, the question I get is, what's for dinner tonight that I like? That's like, not what's for dinner, but what's for dinner tonight <laughs> that I part. like? The last part. I like that last part. <laughs> and I've let go of having to like it. Like, I'm not doing this for you. I'm right. doing this for me. And I'd love for you to try it. And you know what? I'm okay If you don't want to, I always make sure that I have something that they like. And if that means that on top of that, they have blueberries and a pear and carrots and whatever, I'm like, that's okay. I'm good with that. But it's really given me the space to kind of enjoy that again. And this is, again, remembering that 
It doesn't have to be. I don't have to give up all of these pieces of me to make you happy because the thing is, what am I showing you? What am I teaching you? What am I modeling to you when I do that? Exactly. Versus this is something I enjoy and it's okay to enjoy things that others may not. Oh, I love that. I mean, all of those things that you're teaching your children when you're, I hate to say putting yourself first, but really, I mean, you have to take the old saying about putting your mask on first, but you can't truly give from an empty cup. You can't truly love someone else if you're not loving yourself. Like you have to give to yourself so that you have something to give to your family. As I say, it's our capacity to love. There's no question that we Mm. love our children, right? but my capacity to show up in love comes from how I take care of myself because I can love you. And if I'm showing up in anger and resentment and frustration, I'm not actually showing up in a space of giving that love. Mm, To be able to have that capacity to give that love I need to take care of me first. Taking care of me is how I show up and give you love. Another example is my husband used to, like the only time we would have together is like the kids go to bed and watching TV and it would just Mm -hmm. be like we're zoning out, which I totally get. And what I realized is I'm not able to show up as the mom I want to be the next day if I'm going to bed at this time. So I started going to bed early and holding a boundary around that. At first, my husband was resistant and I was like, this is what I need to do And it was finding that voice, right? This is what I need to do for me. And actually what he started to do is now he comes to bed at 9.30 and we talk for 15 minutes and then we go to bed and we both are better people the next day. That's the same with me. There's that tendency, especially when we have younger children to, gosh, I finally got the kids to bed maybe. And then you have this little window in zoning out. And then I don't know about you, but I have this thing about the sofa. If I sit down on the sofa like it's as if it just sucks me in and then I can't get up. Right. It's or, like the or, suction cup doesn't release until you hit a certain time on the clock. And then suddenly you're like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Wait a minute. Yeah. It's 1130. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so, what am I doing here? My kids are going to be up at six. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not right. going to be happy. I love And that. I have to get up in the morning before them. I need time in the morning to kind of not hear mom for yeah. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is. And that might mean I'm getting up at five or five 30 mm-hmm. so that I can have that time. But if I get up and I hit the floor with mom or what was happening when I was going to bed late is I would wake up with the poke on my shoulder. Hey, mom, you up? Are you up right. now? Right. And and you just, I couldn't process the day from that mm-hmm. place. And recognizing that and all of our needs are different. And this is where we create our unique system of what is like this dynamic self-care, right? Like self-care right. isn't the massage. It's not the excessive things that we do. It's the little things that we do, like going to bed early or getting up early. It's taking a shower. It's maybe having a cup of tea. It's cooking a meal that I enjoy. Like all of those things get to be self-care. Self-care could be planning time once a week where me and my husband watch a show together, because to me, connecting with my family is a form of self-care. Right. Right. Cuddling with my kids before bed is self-care for me. Mm-hmm. And when I can see self-care in all the little things that I do, I like to use the quote where the smallest things done with intention matter more than the big things done without purpose. I do the little things every day to kind of fill myself up, to show up in this capacity of giving love rather than getting a massage where I'm thinking about my to-do list for the whole hour. Right. I'm going to definitely get what I need out of the small things done with intention. Yeah. I love that. And and that that's exactly how I, that's, well, 
I've trained myself to think because I used to think. So tell me about your, what do you do at 530? What do you do when you get up in the morning? Typically, I cuddle with the dog for a couple minutes because uh-huh. she's really, as soon as she hears me move, she's seven months old. She crawls up the bed and gives kisses and likes to just cuddle. Mm. So I do that. And then some mornings, my husband gets up too. I might, I have lemon water. So I might sit and talk with him, but I, and I've trained him, like I will sit and talk with you, but not if the news is on, like I'm not filling my brain first thing with that. And then I will come in. I have my office, but it's, I have a couch. I have a meditation altar. So I might listen to a meditation. I do some EFT tapping, emotional freedom Mm -hmm. technique, which kind of sets me for my day. I might journal. I might do some stretching and then I walk the dog for a half hour. Okay. So I'm nice. getting outside, I'm having that fresh air, and then I come back and I, I'm ready to kind of navigate the day. Now, with that being said, I'm also homeschooling right now, which is mm-hmm. a whole nother ball game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's taking those breaths throughout the day, too. But that's kind of my morning routine. And if I fall off of that, I was getting up at 430. Mm-hmm. But after the holiday of kind of allowing myself some space to sleep in, it's been next to impossible to get myself back up. It's in the cold. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. But 530, 5, 5.30, you know, feel feels good. And it gives me that space for just kind of, I said, the me time without hearing mom, my kids are actually sleeping over at my parents tonight. So my son, who actually has a cot in our room because he's still comes in and I'm like, you're too big for our bed. So if you need that support, here you go. But so he like woke up at 530. Okay, can we pack? Can we get ready? I'm like, no. (laughs) And it's holding boundaries around that time where it's this is what I'm going to do. I'm not answering questions. I'm not here for what you need, obviously. And it's the consistency of this so that if my child is sick one morning and I don't get that time, I still have a foundation that I've built upon. It's easier to get back on when you have a habit routine or a ritual. Well, and I love that Irene, because self-care is different for every person. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to follow mine. You don't have to follow yours. You can do what works for you. This is something I learned too. So I've been doing yoga for almost 30 years. So, but it used to be, and I would do this before work. I would get myself up early about 5, 30, 6 o'clock and I would do an hour of yoga. I would do 30 minutes of, of walking my dogs. And that was how I started my day. And when I first became a mom, I had this all or nothing attitude. Okay. So if I can't do an hour of yoga, I'm just, I mean, it was so self-defeating. I'm not going to do it at all. But now I've learned how to, I do an hour in the morning, 30 minutes of walking. I do about 10 minutes of yoga, uh, 10 minute meditation and 10 minutes of journaling. That is one hour, but I had to train myself that it's okay. And one day, maybe I will pick up that hour of yoga again, but for now, it's okay. And it's those, what did you say? The small things done with intention more than the big things done without purpose. I love giving ourselves, giving ourselves permission to work with our life rather than fight against it. Oh, sweet. That is it right. And I've had to train (laughs) and I've had to train, like train my kids that if they do get up in the morning, like my son would come in, I said, okay, this is my meditation. I'm, you're welcome to sit next to me and meditate with me. And sometimes they will, or yeah. you can lay here quietly. I'm not available to talk or be interrupted. And in the beginning, they were interrupting. And it was setting that boundary over and over again. And it was setting it from a place of loving but firmness. Right. Not anger. 
because he doesn't know this is my time until I teach him that this is my time. Exactly. And it's the same thing with other things throughout the day. One of the things like my son likes to refuse to do work during homeschool. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of the time it's okay, I'm taking, I'm walking away right now to catch my breath. And one day he's, you're always walking away to catch your breath. I'm like, yes, because I don't want to yell at you. I don't want to. I'm noticing I'm getting frustrated because I have a certain schedule in mind. I have a certain thing we're going to accomplish. And when that's not happening, I'm noticing I'm getting frustrated. So yes, I'm taking a minute to reset myself. And that's one of the pillars that I work on with clients is our self-regulation, which is through mindfulness, through understanding our emotions, through understanding our bodily sensations, because in that I can take responsibility for my emotional space, my emotional needs, my emotional reaction, and not spill it onto you. And I don't need to take responsibility, try to take responsibility for your emotional state. It's not my job to fix your emotions. And the only way that I can honor that is if I'm regulating myself. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing, sometimes it feels hard to do that and set those boundaries. And it feels harsh sometimes, but we're actually, we're doing our kids so much good. We're teaching them by example, which if you think about when we tell a kid to do something, it's different than when we show them, when well, we modeling show is them. so much more powerful, right? Wow. What we model is going, is what they're going to take in. And what I'm teaching them is I'm worth taking this time for myself. Right. I'm worth. And that's why my boundary, my pillar on self-worth is how do you set empowered boundaries for yourself, which are the personal boundaries we hold, but also placing boundaries on my child and boundaries are different from punishment and that it's done without reactivity. Yeah. I can still regulate my child's screen time and they can hate it. And I can do it without getting reactive and falling into that frustration. And I can only do that when I have self-regulation. So it's these four pillars. And briefly what they are is Mm self-love, which is self-care, but it's also that voice in our head, right? The one that gives us permission to be who we are, the one that we reprogram to not be that criticizing mean girl. The second one is self-regulation, which we do through mindfulness and body awareness. Mm -hmm. The third one is what I call self-discovery. And this is when we are able, when we do the first two and we create that space, We can question our thoughts. Is my child supposed to just like to do school? Oh, I don't get to decide what he likes or doesn't like. And I can still hold that boundary. So I get to question those thoughts that are driving my reaction. And then the fourth one is self-worth, which is I get to hold boundaries from a place of calm. And it's a balance between. It's the integration of those four pillars and creating this fluid balance that allows me, again, to show up from this place, this capacity of love, which is what I call empowered motherhood. Because that's where it, to me, it takes it a step further is, okay, I understand the premise of conscious parenting, peaceful parenting. I don't like all the labels, but I understand this is how I want to parent. But I believe that if we do these things, if we honor these pillars, we automatically are parenting from a place of consciousness, from a place of calm, from a place of respect. It's Mm -hmm. when we haven't done the work to heal ourselves that we are just going to parent in the way that we know. We're going to react to the way we were treated as a child, but in the present moment with our child. And that we stay in this state of reactivity thinking there's something wrong with us that we just can't figure out how to have more patience. Patience should never be the goal in parenting because we'll never have enough. It's a limited commodity. Just like I say, there's decision fatigue, there's patience fatigue, which is why bedtime is so freaking hard. Patience (laughs) fatigue. That's brilliant. By the end of the day, day, it's spent. If we're not filling it up during the day, it's gone. And then we berate ourselves when we can't stay calm. Mm -hmm. We, we, feel guilty, then we feel shameful, then we like struggle to step out of that because we're holding ourselves to this ideal that's not 
actually humanly capable of doing just having enough patience. I love that. Patience fatigue. I think that you just gave us all permission to not feel bad if we're not having patience 24 hours a day to take it a a step further. So when you notice that it's that self-awareness that you were talking about, that self-regulation, when you are, when you can sit back and notice that you're feeling impatient, then you can use your tools, right? right. You can then say, where am oh. I out of balance? Where, what I haven't doing? Because like I say, we have this like reactivity volcano. And at the bottom is the things I need to do to keep my lava calm. Mm. And if it's starting to creep up and I'm noting impatience or I'm being snippy or short with people, I say, okay, what am I not meeting that I need to right. calm that down versus I get to that point and the inevitable happens where I'm yelling and throwing out punishments and consequences, wanting life to behave so that I get to feel calm. So I get to feel happy. Life is never going to behave the way we want it to. And when we're operating from that place of expectation and should, we're constantly going to be disappointing. When we're fighting with reality, we will always lose. But when we can focus on creating this balance from within, then I get to control the one thing I have control over, which is how I show up in my circumstances, in my relationships. And from that place, I have influence on future choices my kids make or future interactions with my husband. The one that's happening right now or the one that just happened, it's done. I I can't change it, but what I can do is influence the future. But if I'm so focused on being angry about the past and I'm trying to force change from that place, the same scenario is going to play out over and over. I don't create the change that I desire that comes from changing my approach. And I love that, that you mentioned that balance inside. First of all, I don't know that there's really truly balance, especially in the outside world. I mean, we're, we live in a 50-50 world, right? It's 50% desirable, yes. 50% undesirable. So there's never, when you're focused on parenting, you're right. not focusing on your work. Or when you're fo- focusing on your marriage, then you're not thinking of balance in that way because you're right. I have to take from one and give to another to create this balance. So when I think of when I think of balance, and I guess maybe I should think of a new word to describe it, it's this fluid balance, but it's almost like equity. What yeah. do I need in these four pillars to help me show up in the way that I want to do versus your, my, my self-care is not always going to be at a level like balanced with my mindfulness or my balance. It's right. not like this, like you said, or my parenting. It may be that parenting needs more attention right now than my business, or maybe my business needs more attention. So it's this fluid balance right. that right, we right. create by recognizing that, okay, I'm missing something from these? How do I create that sense of self-awareness again, which I get by putting into my four pillars versus Mm -hmm. looking at my circumstances and wanting them to change? What happens is if my business is taking more time and effort at this moment, maybe I have a launch or I'm busy with whatever, and my kids are needing me, I'm going to be resentful of them needing me because I'm busy here and I I can't take from this to give to them. Right. That's the pressure that balance creates when I can exactly. say, okay, what do I need to give myself mm-hmm. so that I can show up for both and be completely present? So maybe I'm with my kids a lot less time than my business, but I'm completely present with them. That's very different than I'm still thinking about business when I'm with them and they can feel that disconnection. 
years ago, and I didn't take this advice right uh, out of the gate, but years ago when I had a conversation with a friend who chose to go back to work when she had her kids. And we had this long conversation about it was the quality and not the quantity. Now I stayed home with my kids for seven years. I say seven years too long before I started my business, you know, I decided to stay home. And I really get that because the quantity was not the same. That's kind of an off offshoot, but it is about quality. And what you were talking about, the balance, it starts inside. It's with all yes. of your pillars that starts yes. inside. And then once you can have the balance on the inside or that equity that you were talking about, yep. then you can see it on the outside. The circumstances don't necessarily change, although sometimes they do. When you are- Energy is different. Like I yeah. always say, I don't see it is pressure like that my energy is the energy that fuels the family. So if I'm up, everybody's up. If I'm down, everybody's down. It's recognizing, wow, I hold this empowered place where if I shift, if I focus on me again from a place of self-love versus selflessness, if I focus on me, I influence everything because the more I push my kids away, the more they need me, the more they need me, the more I'm pushing them away. And then it gets to be this fight, right? This power struggle. Mm -hmm. But when I'm from a place of calm and there's nothing for them to fight back against. And sometimes my son, he, as I say, he's my greatest teacher. He Mm -hmm. challenges me in so many ways. And sometimes he'll be in this place of just negative and anger. And I can say to him, I like the Byron Katie quote, and I might be paraphrasing, but I love you kind of basically there's nothing you can do about the fact that I love you. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I'll say that to him. And then I hold the boundary. And I can only do that when I have that inner you talked about. And then what typically happens is his defenses can go down. But if I'm angry at him for I'm labeling him as defiant or bad or whatever I'm seeing him as. If I'm labeling him from that and then I'm engaging in that energy and pushing against him and wanting him to correct himself so that I get to feel calm, the human nature is he's going to dig his heels in subconsciously and rise up to meet me. And here we are, two bulls going at it. This is what I see like with my husband so often because as in many cases, he hasn't quote unquote done the work like I have. So he still gets very reactive, but I still like last week he came to me because I have to share this with you. He had a moment where my son was refusing to do something and rather than meet the bull by the horns and dive into that, like he always used to, he's, I sat down, I recognized where his strengths were. I spoke to those strengths. He was open to receive and it all, it all worked out smoothly. There was no yelling, there was no forcing. And then they were able to have this amazing day together from this place. And we set the example. We show up in this way and we have so much more influence, as I like to say to my community, like you are so much more powerful than, and that power comes from that self-awareness within. I love that your husband, because you didn't, you're not teaching him, you're not forcing on him your ideas and your work, but it was when I stopped trying. I know. Isn't that interesting? I used to always correct him. Like I know better. I do all this. This is the work that I do. This is how you're supposed to do it. I was constantly correcting him, which made him feel incompetent and criticized. Mm -hmm. So he would resist and take out that feeling of disrespect I was having onto the kids. And so it was the cycle. So when I like in the beginning, I'm telling you, it was almost like drawing blood, biting my lip, but I'm like, I'm going to just, if he wants support, he'll ask for, I'm just going to hold myself here. And that is when he actually created the shifts when he felt empowered (laughs) to, to just not get it wrong all the time Uh and not be corrected. 
And I, and he would come to be like, he's, I don't know what to do. And I'd be like, well, do you want me to share some insights? Like I would ask permission first. He's yes, please share. Then he's open to learning. But when I come at him with, you should do this or this, he feels like he feels attacked. He feels, you know, criticized and he's going to resist that. So I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it really changed when I actually accepted him and then I could just model. Yeah, And I, I didn't have to expect that he would change. I released that. I had a similar experience with my husband too. I tried in the beginning before I before broke my life apart really is what I call it. But before I did that, I was trying to make everybody around me do what I wanted them to do. So that resistance that you were talking about, that what we resist persists. So I was trying to force my way and that I was getting pushback from everybody. And then once I started focusing on me, just working on my own balance and my own life and everything around me changed, including my husband. And it's not anything that I did. It's really interesting because I think what most of us want to do is we want to change everything out there. Yeah. If I can only change my kid's behavior, if that, if I could only, if they would only do things differently, Yeah. but it's, the, but we have it wrong. We have it backwards. When we start on ourselves first, what do I need to do in this situation? How can I best help my child? Not a, that's where I went in the very beginning. When I first started is I'm going to, I need to fix my kid. I need to fix everything out there, but it's so interesting how it works. I had a client one time who she went to a, high school reunion. She hadn't been back in 20 years. So she went to this high school reunion and she came back and we were in a group coaching call. And she said, it was the weirdest thing. Everybody kept saying, oh my gosh, you look amazing. What have you been doing? And she said, she came back and said, I'm probably 20 pounds heavier. I don't look any different. I'm actually older. She said, but I realized I'd been doing this inner work and, and people were noticing and not because she was telling them. So it's really the the work that you're doing. And I love how you're now you're not tricking people, but with the parenting, you're having them, you're turning it around for them, helping them to see that you focus, you put your mask on first, you focus on yourself, your own self-care, your own self-worth, your own self-regulation. And then you can do what needs to be done with your family and changing legacy along the way. Absolutely, changing generations. I think one of the struggles is that people go into reading like the conscious parenting or peaceful parenting books from the mindset that we just talked about. Okay, how do I get my child to change his behavior by understanding this? And we're coming at it with this agenda. And so this is where I create, I help clients create that shift internally. I can't change outside of me. I don't have that control. And especially if I have an agenda and we bring it back to ourselves and really understanding again, I don't love the the labels, but I think it helps us to see what I'm saying is that when we have this self-awareness, when we can return to a state of consciousness in any moment, I can engage with my child in a way that is supporting them, guiding them, teaching them versus punishing them for something that's already happened. Irene, this has been amazing and very enlightening and eye-opening for a a lot of us, you know, so for the people who are right now where we were, we were trying to make everything else. Like you said, you you were in your bedroom and uh, your kids wanted you. And I think about me at the kitchen table and all of us crying, but coming from a different place. And yeah, there, there is something about when we have young children, but we can come at it differently. 
we can come at it from taking care of ourselves first. And and that is key. So Irene, can you tell us about a time when a time in motherhood, when you either overcame something, achieved something that felt impossible? I think so many points along the way have felt impossible at the time. Like I could go back to the story I shared with you where I was in my bedroom crying and motherhood itself felt impossible. But if I can go to a more recent example, probably be this last year, 2020, the pandemic, all of a sudden I'm homeschooling my kids and I work from home and I had to navigate this space with different time constraints and a child who does not love school now to see me as a teacher and all of these changes. And I think what shifted is, okay, how can I be flexible? How can I be curious at every point? Mm. I have pivoted and shifted so many times in the last year and those pivots and shifts came from seeing what's possible. Yeah. Just this Monday, just la- just this past Monday, I woke up and I was feeling this sense kind of almost of dread, right? Oh, I've got to hold boundaries around school again, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which just feels exhausting. And I don't love one waking up that way or operating from that place. And so as I sat there in bed, just kind of taking some deep breaths, what came through to me was like, what if you just got to be flexible? What mm, if right. you just, they had their assignments for the week and this is what we're doing. And then you just allowed flexibility and fun in wherever was possible. And I was like, okay. Sometimes we have to bridge like, okay, I see that to like, I could see where that might be possible. I'm willing to consider that I could be flexible. And so like Monday morning, what that looked like is there's snow. The kids want to go sledding before school. Have at it. Tuesday, it looked like school. They built a fort and we did school in the fort. Wednesday, it was like, okay, we take a break in the middle of the day. Oh, they wanted we don't do school on Thursdays because it's my work day, but they wanted Friday off. I was like, okay, these are your assignments. If you work ahead, they just had a couple projects to do. You can have Friday off. And it really just flowed. And when he kind of started to resist, I was like, buddy, this is what you have. When you do it is up to you. And the way I say it is I will sit at the table from eight to 11. So I'm here to help you during those hours. If you want to do it later, I'm not going to be able to give you my undivided attention. I can help with questions, but I'm not able to just sit here and help you. And so I think seeing, leaning into what's possible over and over again over the last year helped me overcome what could have been such an overwhelming, such a heavy, such a defeating experience. And instead, really, as I like to say, my kids gave me ample opportunities to learn and grow every single day. Yes. And seeing it from that perspective really has allowed us to thrive in our relationships in a year where it could have been all about challenge. I love that. And I love the curiosity. Okay, this is how I'm feeling. I wonder what it would be like. I wonder if I could be flexible. I'm going to use that. Sometimes what I'll say is, (laughs) if this felt easy right now, what would I do? Yeah. And then sometimes solutions that I don't see when I'm just in that do it my way type of mentality. I'll just be like, okay, take a breath. If this felt easy, what would I do? What would I offer? And usually a solution comes through that is like exactly what we need. I love that. I like to do that too, is that, okay, if it was easy, what would I be doing? How would I be feeling? Yeah, I love that. Well, Irene, how can, well, first of all, your Thrive in Motherhood podcast, that is definitely a place you'll definitely want to check that out. And you might want to give Irene, you might want to subscribe and rate and review. There is this thing about podcasts is that the more interaction and the more engagement the podcast gets, the more she's able to reach other moms who really need to hear her message. So 
Just saying. Thrive in Motherhood podcast. And how else can our listeners uh, find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is irenemckennacoaching.com. That just tells a little bit more about me and what I offer and what I do. I have a Facebook community, Thrive in Motherhood. That's really about where I show up every day with insights or tools. And I go live to where I host free workshops and free like mini courses. So between that and the podcast, it's really about having this conversation around personal development in a way that blows away the mystique of what it is and just breaks it down into simple, tangible things that we can do and start to shift our perspective. So between the website, the podcast and the Facebook group, those are the best ways to connect with me. Fantastic. Well, Irene, this has been amazing. It's been lovely to meet you and get to know you and your work even more. Just remember that anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. Now, if you haven't already, go ahead and download the High Vibe Toolkit. It's a mom's guide for taking yoga off the mat and into your life. You'll learn how to create your own unique toolkit full of tools for raising your vibe quickly and getting yourself out of a funk in record time next time you find yourself in one. Because funk happens, right? You'll learn how to tap into your inner mentor to cultivate more joy, more connection, and more harmony in your life as you return to your natural high vibe self. You'll raise the vibe in your home as you reclaim your own inner vibe. Now, this is the only guide designed to help moms who want to feel alive keep their yoga vibe flowing both on and off the mat no matter what comes next. So download the High Vibe Toolkit at www.highvibetoolkit.com and reclaim your inner vibe. Anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye for now.